I, um, I have to apologize a little bit for, for the way I am starting this sermon and, and starting it on such a, a personal note. Um, I, I think if I have to sum up the situation we're in now as, as we come into October, that is about the time for us as we are looking at the life of the congregation. We're a couple of months ahead and looking at Christmas. And this is about the time when, when Marcus and Janelle and I look at each other and say, we should have started that a long time ago. <laughs> but it also gets us in the mood and in the mind of starting to reflect on what this past year has been like. And if, if I was to say what this past year has been like for us as a community, as a congregation, as a family of faith, I, I can't help but think that this was a, a year of learning. Uh, learning a lot about ourselves, learning, learning how to co- cope with loss, uh, having lost so many people, or um, being called home, learning how to communicate as we uh, go through what I have read to be in marriages is the most stressful thing, a, uh, a home renovation. Doing that as a congregation is exceptionally stressful. Also learning that you can do any renovation you want, just don't touch the pews. It's all it takes. Take the roof off if you want. Just leave the pews. I I have hit my mid-30s now. And I was reading the other day in a a novel by uh, John LeCar, Uh, where he said, your mid-30s is the most uh, tiring time of life because you are either spending your energy trying to grow older or spending your energy trying to stay younger. And as I reflect on what it is that I have learned and what we have learned as a people, I realize the vastness of our body the vastness of our story. Through this past month, we have hit many of the important parts of our story as a faith and as a people. Where we have heard the way that the Lord had spoken His promises into the lives of those that He called loved. Where He called them out of darkness. Where He he called out of nowhere in an entire nation of people to be His. How that has continued to ring true for every single one of us. That as He called into Abraham, He has called into you and He has called into me. As He reached out to Moses, He has reached out to you. As he once saved Noah, he has so saved you. As he has made his promise to David, he has made his promise to you. What is it that we have learned this year? What is it that we have seen together as a people? That our story goes on. It continues. It has not stopped with the loss of some of our loved ones. It has not stopped with the progression of age. It hasn't even just begun with all of our new young ones and soon to be another young one. (laughs) 
But what was written from long ago continues to be written now. Continues to be true right now. And reaches into the distance of all of our futures to the time when we will be able to see Him face to face. To the time when this King comes back. To the time when we will have no more tears in our eyes. No more division among us. Not even a pew to sit on. What is it that we have learned? We have learned our story. We have learned who we are. But we have only been able to do so by answering the question of who is our Lord? Who is our Lord? In all of these covenants that we've highlighted and all these promises that have come to us, all these things that we have read and we've preached on and we've heard from, all of those things that have been spoken over the different coffins of this year is exactly who our Lord is. The one who reaches out. The one who comes to us. The one who makes promises that he can actually keep. The one who gives signs to us of the full weight of those promises and how they fall on him. Not even on us. In the promise that was spoken today, we hear of a king. A king who is to come. A king who would actually rule and reign with power and might, with actual real authority who doesn't need to hide behind any sort of army who doesn't need to hide behind any sort of bureaucracy who doesn't even need to try and communicate through press or Facebook or Twitter or whatever it, it may be but a king who is actually to us to rule and to reign for us he makes this promise to David, to the king that everybody was excited to actually have, to the king who thought and cared and had concern for what it was the Lord wanted, who looked at his own surroundings and thought, I live here in this house, but what about my Lord? But a king who we find out later had his own issues. A king who had the wandering eye. Let me tell you, if you ever want to get a Bible study really hot and bothered, <laughs> talk about Bathsheba. <laughs> I've learned that. Talk about David. The way you can abuse authority and power. Even as the Lord had given this promise, this David, the one whom we talk about, struggled, made his mistake, had the consequence fall on him. He joins the ranks, of course, as a murderer with Moses, with Paul, with you. 
as one of the very testaments and one of the very reasons that we as people can never ever say that the Lord has nothing to do with us. That there's no possible way that our Lord can work in me. That there's no possible way the Lord can even use me. Because His history and the story that we have learned has taught us that the Lord uses everyone. Most especially those who don't deserve it. Most especially those who struggle. Most especially those who bear the the label murderer. Martin Luther describes thou shalt not commit murder as being any time we raise a thought of anger, name-calling, or hatred towards another person. So we join the ranks of David, Moses, Paul. We too are those murderers. But we too, like them, hear the promises that God has to offer of what is coming to us and who it is that is to arrive at our gates. It is a person. It is a king. The Lord promises that He will build a house of His own. He will build a house out of David Himself. And that house does come to us and that house is built. And it is in fact built in a person. A person who did not come to murder, but a person who came to be murdered. A person who did not come to do his own indiscretions, but came to bear your indiscretions. A person who did not come to remain dead, but came to raise back to life, so we will rise back to life. He came to bring us a kingdom. He came to bring us an inheritance. He came to fulfill all of these promises we have heard every single week during this study. He has come to deliver it to you. To be your king. Now as was pointed out, to our kids earlier that David himself was a shepherd and it just so happens to be that as our king comes to us to be that house that was built, he came to be our shepherd. To be the one that even David wrote about in all of his psalms. To be the very shepherd that we talk about, we sing about, or we recite about in any of our funerals. To be shepherded through any valley of death that we may come across to be brought through any sort of story we've created on our own. This is the kind of king that we have received. This is, as he's called in the New Testament, the son of David for you. Now you cannot speak of any sort of king without actually talking about the kingdom that he rules and reigns over. We confess of this kingdom that is to come. We pray for this kingdom to come. We confess and we talk about the way this Lord has redeemed us and brought us out of this sin, who has redeemed us and brought us out of this darkness, who has called us up even into his own story. 
But let us think about what this kingdom is made of. This kingdom that has been brought to us. The best way to describe a kingdom is by the very leader and king it has. Right away, this king, as he arrives on the scene to a people who may not have actually been looking for him to come in this sort of way, who are looking for a king with an army, who is looking for a king to come and reign within a certain boundary, they find instead a king whose kingdom stretches past any sort of border, who stretches past any sort of boundary. So we find that this kingdom does not end with any sort of nationality or any sort of race or any sort of person. But this kingdom actually goes beyond these walls of Lamb of God and goes out past the very homes that you inhabit. It is a kingdom that can go into every single home that you walk past or drive past. Every sort of workplace that we go to. And the kingdom, as it is described by our Lord, is a kingdom that is inhabited and belongs to those who are the poor in spirit. To those who are the grievers. To those that are the confused and the hurt. It belongs to the least of these. It belongs to one who had his shining moments, but had even more tarnishing moments. It belongs to the likes of Moses, who after a confused childhood kills a man. It belongs to the likes of Paul, who are able to stand and proclaim their own good righteousness in public, but in private kill his very brothers of the faith in his heart. It belongs to those of us that gather here, who come in here as murderers, as thieves, as liars, who come in here as people who struggle with the constant addictions. We come as people who begin our worship together as poor, miserable sinners. The kingdom belongs to them. The kingdom belongs to you. Our inheritance comes from a king who reaches into the lives of all of us. The ones who need to be shepherded. The ones who need to be brought out of these sins. The ones of us who without him could not find our way. It's a kingdom for you. A king for you. But this kingdom does not stay in any inanimate house like many would think. Its foundation is not a foundation that is inanimate, but rather, as it is said in Peter, a living stone. It is a foundation that moves, that is quick to forgive, that is slow to anger. It's a kingdom that is built with the purpose of growing. Because the hope that this king brings doesn't stay in boundaries. It goes out. 
You as this kingdom. You as the ones who have been reached and touched by the the Son of David. Carry that hope. You carry this story. You know who's been part of it and you know that there is more to come. You know as we gather together around those that we have lost and we commit them to the great hope of resurrection, you know as we gather together to confess our sins and to hear that forgiveness, you know as we come across those that not only don't have food, but don't have relationship, don't have forgiveness, don't have love in their lives, that you are the one bearing that kingdom to them. We are not looking for any great sort of policy change to usher in Jesus. We are looking to change relationships to bring Jesus to others, to bring that kingdom out into the world. We see the promise comes to David. It's repeated by Jesus as him to be the son of God. And then it is repeated by the apostles to the pagan world that our hope has come. You know your story. You know your Savior. You know your hope. Not only bear it in your heart as you come across the many things in life, but share it past the boundaries. Share it past the nations. Look to the hope that is to come. Amen? Amen.